Welcome on into the Tony Parks Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today. The NBA playoffs continue to roll on. The Utah Jazz season comes to an end, and it ended with heartbreak as the shot from Mike Conley did not go down at the end of regulation there of Game 7 in a two-point game. It was a really entertaining series, by the way. Had you on the edge of your seat so many times. The historic scoring performances of Mitchell and Murray, the down-to-the-wire moments, uh, including Game 7 like we talked about. Uh, That series will be one of the most memorable in NBA playoff history, even though it was just a first-round series, and it may result in uh, the winner of the series not even going to the conference finals. So that, bad news, obvious. Uh, The Jazz season is over uh, for the first time ever. In the history of the franchise, they squander a 3-1 series lead. Uh, It's also the first time they've ever lost a series when leading 3-2. They were in control. They were against the worst defense in the bubble. They were up 15 in Game 5, and they didn't get it done. Uh, We're going to talk about the mixed reaction of all of this at the end of the season, but first of all, let me please uh, just say thanks to everybody for their support of the show Uh, Love the feedback. Uh, Love the sports discussion from everybody uh, with the different emails I get and the different uh, tweets that I end up getting with uh, just people who want to talk sports. I love it. Um, So tweet at me at TonyParks801. You can email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. And, of course, uh, as always, you can uh, be a part of the show um, in so many other different ways, whether you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and more, all right here on the Utah Podcast Network. All right, a lot of mixed reactions about the season, right? It was a crazy one, to say the least. Ups and downs were really weird at times. Uh, You had the Donovan Rudy feud. You had the season coming to a halt with COVID. Rudy being the face of that, unfairly, by the way. Um, The Jazz showed that the Quinn Snyder offense could look um, really, really good with offensive weapons out there on the floor. Uh, Mike Conley started playing more like the Conley that I think people expected. Um, when he arrived, that was especially the case in the bubble. Um, for the first time in any of the Quinn Snyder years, I would say this uh, team had a good gap of time that I would label them as contenders, maybe even light contenders, just uh, to the point, but certainly more of a contender than they had been in a very long time. Their offensive rating was through the roof. I think the front office was starting to see what these moves would look like as they were paying off. Uh, their offensive rating was... was Unbelievable, like I said, and the defensive rating was top 10 during that time. They won 19 out of 21 games. Many of those games were against bad teams in the league, but it's not like they were getting by. They were embarrassing teams. They were drowning them early, too, and it was great to see. Here's the problem. This team didn't sustain that level of play. Not only did they not sustain it, their quality of play fell way below what I think anybody And I mean well behind what I think they were capable of. It wasn't just the level of opponents changing that suddenly changed their quality of play. Much of what happened was this team getting in their own way. And I think that was disappointing. Uh, Now, a lot of people want to point out COVID. They point out Boyan, that he was out during the restart. They point out all of the challenges that come with being in the bubble. And I don't think that those things are inaccurate. But many of the problems for the Utah Jazz started well before any of that. Um, having a months-long span where they were 29th defensively, um, playing for a team that has conventionally prided itself on defense, and like I said, they were awful. So that had nothing to do with COVID. 
Uh, being the first team in the history of the game to have five alternating five or four or five game winning and losing streaks. I know that's a weird distinction there, but that, that had nothing to do with COVID. The horrible performances in those four games right out of the All-Star break. Nothing to do with COVID. These are all bizarre things that existed before uh, play got halted. So they had that game they lost to Denver where they had only like seven players, Denver did, and it was, you know, looked like a for sure Jazz win, and instead the Jazz went out and lost. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about all of this here in just a second. I want to get to it because I do believe the biggest step for Utah, the next step, has less to do with roster and more to do with mindset. Uh, but right now, I want to tell you about Peak 3-on-3 Basketball, proud sponsor of the show. It's coming your way September 26th through October 24th. Great option for your kids if you're looking to be uh, certain that it's safe, fun to be a part of, and has that right combination of cooperative and competitive environment. Uh, it's perfect. It's for grades uh, 3 through 12. Teams can be as big as 6. Uh, you'll get a total of 8 games over the course of 4 Saturdays. So it's 2 games a week. Uh, they take UEA weekend off. Also, if your child's already doing something like soccer this fall and you're thinking, oh, our Saturdays are already so busy. Well, no, most of these games are going to take place later than those games. So at very least, take a look and see if it works for your family. Uh, if weather gets dicey, hey, it's indoors. You're going to love that. So go to peak3on3basketball.com. Farmington City has done a great job working on uh, making sure their facility is, is top-notch uh, and that it's going to be safe. Uh, it's the Farmington City Gymnasium. It's perfect for this. Uh, if you haven't been there before, you should check it out. The organizers of uh, Peak 3-on-3 Three Three Basketball have really prided themselves on making sure that they, you know, they check all the boxes. So go to peak3on3basketball.com, and if you tell them I sent you, um, still get the early bird price after it's expired. And if you're a Farmington resident, get 30% off. It's going to be a fabulous value for your money, so take advantage of it. Speaking of money, um, a lot of people are probably a little bit nervous about, okay, what happens if play is suspended or if the games end up being canceled because, you know, we have some uncertain times and things that are going on. Never worry about that because if any of that is halted, they'll make sure you get uh, your money back based on the number of games that have not been played. They'll be very, very fair to you. I've been learning a lot about this, talking to, to the directors of this event, um, parents are really, really going to like it when, when finding something fun for their kids. Also, things that are fair to you and making sure it's safe for them uh, during this fall. So check it out, peak3on3basketball.com. All right, back to the Jazz. As I watched the games in the bubble, I clearly took everything into account and understood that you have several variables going into what's going on. But even when grading this team on a curve, I feel like they fell short of what I think they were capable of. I don't know how you can look at it any other way. I mean, some people view uh, what I just said as a negative, but I promise you it's actually a compliment to this team because I think they're capable of more. Like, go back to the 2018 Utah Jazz. I'm there, locker room clean out. That was the happiest I've ever seen a team with the season at the end. They weren't happy it was over. They were happy that they had overachieved. They won 29 to 35 games. They had a lot to look forward to. They knew that, you know, they could add some talent and be good, but they knew their ceiling, that they kind of reached their ceiling. Second round, won a game, upset Oklahoma City in the first round. So the good news is, hey, they overachieved. The bad news is they needed more talent. They needed a different roster if they wanted to get serious about being great. This is the first time 
in the Quinn Snyder era that this has happened, where a team fell short of expectation. We can go over all the reasons why, but one of the biggest reasons why is simply that this team can't be that inconsistent when trying to pay the price that it takes to be great. Be in the five seed and maybe getting through the first round, that's one thing. But if you want to get serious about making a real run, a deep run, and being taken seriously as a championship-level team, there's just a different price you have to pay. And this team was very talented. But that price is more expensive, and that rent is due every single day. I felt it coming into the season that this roster was built to at least be a light contender. Some people labeled them contenders after the Conley pickup. They had a quality point guard that could shoot. Legit stretch four that was dynamic from deep. Showed more versatility on offense than I realized. Dead-eye shooter, especially from the corner. Brought back a two-time defensive player of the year, budding superstar, added an explosive offensive talent off the bench. There was no reason, if you were to tell me all this, there was no reason that I could come up with to think that this was going to be a six seed and a first round out. If you were to tell me that, I'd have thought, oh, this team was just ravaged with injuries then. And I'm thinking these injuries are, you know, Donovan and Rudy and nope. Some really good things did happen during the year in the playoffs. Mitchell taking a stride to be at superstar level, I think was the, the, the best news. That was actually the number one takeaway from the season, and that is that Mitchell hit superstar level, and I think that's awesome. The other positive, Conley started to look more like the Mike Conley that I think people thought he could be when he first arrived, especially at the offensive end. And lastly, the Jazz offense showed it could be elite with these kinds of weapons. So that's awesome. Bogdanovich pickup was, was everything I thought it would be and more. He was fabulous. Now, it was reasonable to think that this team could take a giant leap on offense and then a step back on defense. I thought it was a good method, good risk to take. I actually still applaud the front office. As the season started, they took a mild step back on defense. Great. And the offense was outstanding. And then they fell off on defense. Fell off completely. Got it back a little bit, but had a huge window of time where they were brutal. There's no way you could excuse that. And it's where some of my biggest concerns started about this team during the year before COVID. The front office of this team did a great job putting together that roster uh, that should have done more than what previous teams did over the three years. They didn't bat a 1,000 on every move they made, right? Jeff Green didn't work out. I got it. Fine. And they had to move on from Dante Exum, all this. But the moves that they did get right should have been enough. Like, I don't believe that Quinn and that staff just forgot how to coach at the NBA level defensively. So I refuse to believe that coaching was the issue, and I'm, I'm still a, a big believer in Quinn Snyder with this organization. To me, it came down to leadership and guys out there on the floor wanting to pay that price to be great, and not just sometimes, all the time. Stockton and Malone paid that price every day, and they didn't win at all. So paying the price doesn't guarantee you win at all, but if you don't pay it, you have no chance. Donovan, Rudy, Mike, Boyan, Joe even, all those guys that have legitimate aspirations to do something at championship level have to know that it takes more than just being what they've been up to this point. And those guys have no reason to feel shame over being the great players that they are, but do you want to be a champion? Because it's going to take more. Guys have to be a nice... Uh, uh, better than just a nice story to get this team somewhere great. George Niang, nice story. 
Got to get better. Tony Bradley, nice story. Got to get better. I wasn't impressed with Royce O'Neal several times during the playoffs. And I think his story is really awesome. And I root for him. And I root for all these guys. Um, One thing I'll let you know, having been in that locker room and having a chance to get to know so many of these guys, they're fantastic. You as a Jazz fan, you should love that these are good guys. It's a great thing. But when I look at the Jazz, they have several guys that are likable, that have a story we can all get behind, but it's going to take more of that, you know, if you want to get to championship level. When you're trying to be a champion, the story is nice, but it only goes so far. Uh, Leadership of this team is still learning a lot. We've seen performances, glimpses, flashes, signs. Now it's about sustaining that as an individual and as a team. And they learned that a really, really hard lesson in that Game 5 collapse against Denver. They got themselves into an advantageous position and didn't know how to handle it when the wheels wobbled. And that gets me to my number one thing that has to happen in order for this team to get somewhere great. They need a mentality shift. And it's not just about paying that price to be a champion. Here's the mentality shift I want to talk about. They have got to get rid of this underdog attitude. The chip on the shoulder that nobody believes in us. It sounds great. It works. It gets a lot of reaction on Twitter. In certain situations, it can really help you out. If the Jazz are serious, though, about taking this next step, the underdog attitude has got to go. The underdog mentality has got to be a thing of the past. Donovan and Rudy were just named All-Stars. Rudy was a two-time defensive player of the year. Jazz have been getting exactly the love and respect that they deserve for the most part. The last couple of years, for the most part. I'm sure you can find some idiot on Twitter who thinks Rudy isn't a top 100 player. Fine. Fine. You know, maybe there's some beat writer for an NBA team that underrates Mitchell a little bit or would take Booker over Mitchell. Fine. Have your argument. But now, it's not a secret that Mitchell's good, that Rudy's good, that this team is talented. It's not a secret that the Jazz have a chance to be the next team up in what is going to be a great Western Conference for years to come. Here's the problem. It's no longer about proving everybody wrong. It's now about proving yourself right. Donovan knows he's great. He knows what he's capable of. Rudy does too. Fans do. The league does. Because this underdog mentality works really well short term when you are the underdog. But what happens when you're the favorite? Now you just have to be great because everyone knows you are. Because you have proven yourself to some level. But you have to prove yourself even more. How do you handle that pressure? Look at what happened to this team coming into the year. They were given a ton of respect based on what people thought they might do this season. I can think of very few preseason predictions that labeled the Jazz as a first round out and a six seed. Very few. I can think of very few that thought this team's defense would be a serious problem for a chunk of the year. Look at what happened to this team with a three games to one lead and a 15-point lead. They didn't know how to handle that. Mitchell talked about it. They blinked. They lost focus. It didn't just cost them the game, but it cost them the series. And props to Mitchell, by the way, for taking full responsibility for all of it. He was a total champ about it. The Jazz went from, we can win this thing, to... We have to win this thing to, oh, man, we better not lose this thing. That mindset starts to creep in when you rely way too much on this neurotic fixation that you're always being disrespected. 
Because when it gets manufactured and it gets worn old, it has its negative features. And that's what you saw from the Jazz in the first half of Game 7. That team was really tight because they started to feel serious pressure. What were they going to resort to? Chip on the shoulder? No, you already proved you could win the series. No one believes in us? No, everyone believes in you now. You're up three games to one. You were smoking these teams, or this team, and uh, Donovan had 57 and 50 and all of that. I mean, goodness. Now you just have to go win. So I, I say this all the time about Kyle Whittingham's teams. He loves that underdog mentality with the Utes. They're giving you no respect. Let's go out there and earn that respect. It actually works well. I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily bagging him for it. It works really well. He gets a lot out of his team. That Sugar Bowl year, he was able to play it the entire way, even into the Sugar Bowl. Then in 2010, huge stage, national championship implications, November game, TCU, college game days in town. The Utes are favored going into it. Favored. Well, everyone believed in them. Everyone believed in them. This was their chance to go show that they deserve to be taken seriously in that conversation. This was the chance to play in the BCS National Championship game, maybe, depending on how things played out. But the, the implications were there. They went out and got blasted 47-7. to The moment they got down 14 nothing, you knew it was over. The moment got to them. The moment was too big for them. After that loss, they never got their mojo back. Couldn't use the chip on the shoulder because you proved you didn't belong. Couldn't use the disrespect card because you proved you didn't earn the respect that you claimed you deserved. So you proved that everybody who doubted you was right. So since your disrespect card that you played was imaginary, the reality of the situation was more depressing than it would have originally been. Even in their victories, they didn't look anything like the team that had started 9-0, and that, that being the wins in the back part of the year. They looked like a total fraud. And while I still think that was a great team, they really got in their own heads. They got trashed in the bowl game against Boise State, barely got by San Diego State, barely got by BYU, Notre Dame embarrassed them. I mean, it was, it was tough because that team was still uh, a very, very, very good team. Uh, we saw it this past year with Utah football. Fighting all season long to gain respect. Everyone nationally, Tim Brando, everybody just suspected that the Pac-12 and the Utes would get screwed out of the playoffs. And that's another thing. People complain about how the Pac-12 gets no love and, you know, nobody gives them respect. Well, they, they've earned every bit of the slight that has been given to them as a conference. They haven't been good. And then you'll hear people be like, oh, it's because of parody. No, it's watered down. I've watched it. It's watered down. The conference as a whole. Last year, they had two great teams, Utah, Oregon. Everybody else, Washington wasn't quite as good. USC had some bright moments, but certainly had their their downfall. And then there was a huge drop-off after those kind of four teams that were pretty good. So the Utes this past year, after all this lobbying for them nationally and feeling predictions that they would be disrespected and, and they're in the conference championship game, they're favored, they're picked by most, big stage, national championship implications. In December, if they win... They're probably going to go to the playoffs. 37 to 15 loss. They got smacked early and barely got back in it. So back to my point, this chip on the shoulder thing, in my opinion, got to go. Got to go. Start acting like you belong. Start acting like a favorite. Start preparing and performing 
and using the mindset as a team that deserves to be there because you do, because you have the talent, the skill, and ability, because people do believe in you. Like I said, that underdog mentality is really good for really small windows or really small sample size or a team that actually isn't that good but needs to go out and, you know, pull one upset. So they're getting the respect they've earned. I don't see the Jazz getting this disrespect people claim. Um, One other example of this, Carl Malone, awesome player. If you slighted him, he'd go out and destroy you. If you loved him up and hyped him up and paraded him around, he'd tighten up. He would totally tighten up. Like uh, People remember game five in the 97 finals uh, because Jordan was under the weather and then he helped the Bulls come back to win. He had a, a great performance. But what they forget was that Utah had a 16-point lead, a sick Jordan, and the MVP was on their team. The Jazz were a fair, fairly you know, decent-sized underdog in that series. Uh, the Bulls had some crazy record. I forget what it is off the top of my head, like 168 and 28 over two years. That's probably not exactly what it was, but something like that. Well, suddenly, for a moment in time, the Jazz were actually the favorite, a mild favorite in that series for just a moment in time. Go watch Carl Malone in the last five or ten minutes of that game five of the 97 NBA Finals. He didn't look anything like the MVP that year. And I'm not saying that because he missed shots. I don't believe, like, oh, he missed shots, therefore he's a choker. No. If he took good shots and just missed, that's life. Watch how bizarre his body language was. His weird sideways fading jumper. The mental mistakes he made down the stretch. Yeah. When his team was losing in the series, he was confident, comfortable, played with nothing to lose. But when he's at the free throw line in game one, nine seconds to go, tie game, suddenly the game is yours to lose, kind of. Well, that's where that underdog mentality has its negative effects. The Jazz, you know, and Carl specifically played with that chip on the shoulder, blah, blah, blah. That Jazz team led for 129 of the 144 minutes during games one, five, and six of that series against a historically great team. They lost all three of those games and were in position to win all three. Because when you make it about how everyone else is overlooking you, you're subconsciously making it about everyone else. This Jazz team has to stop it. Two reasons. One, nobody's buying it anymore. And two, it's got short-term positives and damages towards long-term goals. Yeah. That's, that's the way that absolutely looks. So I gave you that example of the 18 team. You know how they felt great about what they had accomplished. There was nothing wrong with that. But this team has a different vision. This team has a different sort of goal set and vision and talent level than those teams two years ago, three years ago. Uh, so change your mindset. You're not an underdog anymore. Stop trying to prove everyone else wrong and start trying to prove yourself right. Thanks again for listening to the Tony Parks podcast. I appreciate you. Uh, don't forget to leave great feedback, good or bad. I don't care. I love all feedback. Um, just right there, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, as always. Um, encourage you to take a look at peak3on3basketball.com. Uh, take a look at their their uh, the basketball league that they have. Get your kids signed up grades 3rd through 12th. It's fabulous. Grades 3 through 12th. Your kids will have a chance to go play in a fun and safe environment. You'll get your money's worth. 
Um, you know, sometimes in these different basketball leagues, you never really know about playing time. You never really know about how often the kid might have the ball in their hands. Things like that are really tough. Well, in this situation, the possibility of it all goes way up. I think you're going to get your money's worth. So check them out. Peak3on3basketball.com takes place in Farmington. Uh, if you're a Farmington resident, you get 30% off. You get the early bird special, even though uh, the, the deadline has passed. If you just tell them you heard it right here on the show. So go to peak3on3basketball.com, September 26th through October 24th, every Saturday, except for that UEA weekend. Uh, really great for your schedule. Really great for finding something for your child to do that will uh, be very, very safe and a lot of fun for them coming up this fall. Thanks so much for listening as always, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. We appreciate you as always for listening to the Tony Parks Podcast right here on the Utah Podcast Network.